137th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Welcome everybody to Pixelated Paranormals 2017 Halloween Spooktacular Part One. Yeah, Volume One. Ooh. Volume One. Yeah, got two of these puppies that are uh, going to be hitting you guys this October. And um, unfortunately, we said we'd have this out Tuesday. It's Monday night, just shy of midnight, and I took a trip to Oklahoma this weekend and completely forgot I wasn't coming home till Monday. So yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, you're going to get this probably on Wednesday. Yeah, so I mean, a day late and a dollar short, it's better than not having it at all. That's true. That's very true. (laughs) Yeah, we uh, we just got back from Oklahoma. We went down to the Broken Bow area and stayed in a cabin uh, for the weekend and just got away from everything. Did you find Bigfoot? Dude, we didn't find any Bigfoots, but I tell you what, it's crazy. Apparently, Broken Bow and Hockaton or whatever the town's called up there. Is famous for Bigfoot, or rather the wood ape. Yeah, but you didn't see one. No, we didn't see one, man. Um, apparently, finding Bigfoot has gone down there before and done an episode. And didn't find Bigfoot? <laughs> <laughs> still not yet, but apparently oh. A&E is still hopeful because they're still paying them to make that show. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, it was cool, man, because... You know, we we dig that kind of stuff, Bigfoot stuff. Shayla yeah. is a huge fan of Big Feet. And it's like every other little gift shop you went to had all sorts of cool ass Bigfoot stuff. So yeah. we uh we actually drove by this one gift shop and they had a giant like nine foot tall well, let's be honest, probably about seven foot tall cast iron Bigfoot statue. It was amazing. Yeah. And the gift shop was way closed already, but we drove up there and trudged through the gravel driveway and took some photos with the different Bigfoots and stuff like that. It was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Went back and, you know, bought the usual kitschy knickknacks, some magnets, and some. she got a wine glass that says drinking with Bigfoot and uh, <laughs> kind of a cool campfire mug. The mug's badass. It's got like a silhouette of Bigfoot roasting a marshmallow. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, their big saying down there in that area is, um, I think it's called Hotchatown is where we were at, Hotchaton. And they call it Hotchatime. And that's like one of their registered logo uh, artworks is this silhouette. It's pretty badass. I'll show it to you. Pretty fantastic. But yeah, we, we stayed in these cabins. That we're pretty much on the corner of BFE and holy shit, there's nothing around for miles. And it was cool because there was nobody there. Like it was pretty much peaceful and quiet. But you never realize how fucking scary the woods are until you're in the woods by yourself with nobody around. And every other crack is like, what the hell was that? Did you uh, did you go get your stick and wood knock and <laughs> okay? So one of the only things we really wanted to do was build a fire and do these cabins. They are so freaking nice. There's tons of sweet cabins out there, but we got one, and it's a one bedroom, huge living room, you know, TV, all the amenities, um, our own hot tub, our own deck, a little fire pit area down below, um, kind of off in the woods, about. Eh, 20 feet from the house. Yeah. And Shayla and I really wanted to build a fire, do the marshmallows and the s'mores thing. And me being the former Cub Scout that I am, she's like, hey, what do we need for a fire? And I'm like, oh, I'll build your fire. Don't worry, babe. Just stand back and let daddy build you a fire. <laughs> and so the first night we were there, um, really the next morning it rained. 
And so all the firewood that was stacked up outside from the last guy got wet. Oh. And so stupid me thought, ah, there's, I can get some kindling and some fire starter. So I built this real nice, you know, TP structure with this wood. And for like 30 minutes, tried to get the damn thing to light and it just wouldn't light. And I was so pissed. So we, we weren't about to not have a fire. We jumped in the, uh, in the car, drove into like, I don't know, like 20 minutes into town to Walmart, bought one of those, you know, firewood in a box kits from back, <laughs> back in the back. And that puppy had some stone cold dry wood and a little fire starter. And about 45 minutes later, we had a roaring fire. And I took no chances. I took the cardboard box. The wood came in and shredded the hell out of that and threw that in the fire. <laughs> what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But, yeah, so we sat there. We did the s'mores, did the hot dogs. And then I just had my eyes closed just listening to the uh, ambient noise. And then all of a sudden, I just hear, pop, pop, pop. And I'm like, the hell? And I open my eyes, and Shayla's banging a giant piece of firewood <laughs> against a tree with a big grin on her face. And she's mm. <laughs> going to get me happy. a Bigfoot. Right. And then we both start laughing, and I close my eyes. And a few little, uh, you know, a few minutes later, I just hear this, <laughs> I open my eyes and she's like, I'm just trying to call a Chi Chi. I thought maybe if I did a whoop, maybe one would answer me back. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing. And nothing, dude. Oh. But I'll be damned if, I mean, we heard some weird shit. You can hear what sounded like people screaming and hollering. And mind you, there are some cabins. I mean, I say you're in the middle of nowhere. There's five or six cabins down in that area that are probably about three, three, hundred yards away, something yeah. like that. I mean, they're they're nearby, so we could have just been hearing ambient noise of them partying and stuff like that. But it was a lot of fun. We didn't see any Bigfoots, but uh by God, they're they're proud of Bigfoot down there, so that's pretty neat. Right on. But I'll tell you what, dude, I decided, I don't know why, to read um Communion, that book yeah. by Whitley Stryber. And the book's basically about a guy and his family in a cabin in the middle of nowhere that get abducted by aliens. And mm-hmm. I thought it'd be smart to read that book in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so I got about 20 pages in and decided I'm probably going to wait and read that when I'm back in town. You're like, nope, nope, and nope. Yeah, because, of course, that's the night I hear the most popping and creaking. And, you know, I heard knocking outside, like on a tree or something. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not having it. I should probably just... Go to bed. Didn't see any big-eyed alien owls, you know, perching on the outside of your no, cabin. No, but I did get freaked the frick out, man. We were sitting in there watching TV last night, so that would have been um, Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And we're watching Dust Till Dawn, as Ooh, you do when you're yeah. camping. And uh, we had these great big, like, floor-to-ceiling windows in the front living room. And they've got these really big blinds. And I didn't have one of the blinds all the way down. There's about a half-foot gap from the floor to the top of the blind. And all of a sudden, I see something go, like, streaking past there. It's like a bright white. And I was like, holy shit, what was that? So, like, I jump up, and I grab my only weapon that I brought with us, which is, like, a pocket knife. Not your sword. Not my sword. This uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. No, it's just this knife. It's just a knife I carry. And walked out the back door. And I think what it really was is either a fox or a large tabby cat. Because this this cabin has, like, a wraparound porch that goes from, like, the front door all the way around to the back door. So it's, like, halfway around this house. And I got to the edge of the deck right as this thing, like, had made its way down the stairs towards the fire pit. And it stopped and kind of looked over its shoulder at me. And I think it was, like, a fox or a small wolf or probably just a big-ass cat. But 
it was just weird because in the living room and all the lights are off, all I saw was this blur, and I think it was bounding as it ran. Yeah. So it looked like something, looked like footsteps, like two big feet walking past. I'm not saying Bigfoot. I thought it was just some peeping Tom or something like that. But, yeah, we had a had a little bit of excitement. <laughs> and were you in your underwear when you ran out of the cabin with your pocket? No, I was oh. not Donald Duck style this time. No, I uh, I had sweatpants on and a, a T-shirt. I think I had a Bigfoot T-shirt on, though. So. <laughs> Yeah, dude, it was a good time. We had a I had a great time out Man, there. So. Had you brought your sword and would have been in your boxers, that would have made the story right there. <laughs> it would have just made me a crazy man. It would have cemented the fact that I'm just this kook that runs around in his underwear waving a sword <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I was out there in the, that cabin of the woods, and I tell you what, I was in my boxer shorts and goddamn saw some feet. I ran out that door with my katana, and I was like, ah, Bigfoot. And it was a goddamn fox the whole entire time. Oh, dude, it's it was... It was fun. I should have, but I know if I brought that sword, she would have never let me live it down. <laughs> I probably would have never even got it in the back of the car before she just ripped me apart. <laughs> but that's like your uh, standard go-to protection is that katana yeah. sword. I don't so, really have a gun. I, yeah. I should maybe invest in a firearm, but as willy-nilly as I fling that thing around, maybe I shouldn't be a gun owner. I think you should just stick with the katana sword. Like That's your go-to thing. Swords and knives, man. Yeah. I'm the. Just call me Michon. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh man. Well, here we are, guys. We're doing um, one of two Halloween specials this year for Halloween, and it'll just most likely be Presto and I. I think Rob's going to take a little break and sit these uh, specials out. He's got a lot going on. He's don't a, you worry. He's a Halloweener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll uh, he'll be back for our regularly uh, regularly scheduled shows. So. That'll be good. And you might notice a light edit on this show. You might get some more of our flubs and a little background noise maybe because I'm not going to spend a lot of time doing an edit on this show because I want to get this out as quick as possible, which means you won't begin. The earliest you're going to get this is Wednesday. You'll get the next one on you know, Halloween, if not the Monday before. But this one, guys, my bad. I'll take the heat. I uh, Poor planning on my part. So, Well, with that being said, we'll jump into some news here. Did you hear about this dude that lived with his dead mother and dead brother for a year? I have not, but that sounds like that could be a movie. Oh, <laughs> right. It's like Do- Drop Dead Fred meets uh, the Bates <laughs> Weekend Motel. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, it says, man lives with family for a year. The problem is they're dead. <laughs> Robert James Koffler of Minnesota has been charged with interference with a dead body or the scene of death. Police found the bodies of Cuffler's mother and brother in their family home in 2016 after they had both been dead for well over a year. Police didn't figure out that the people had died for over a year until a neighbor had reported that the home's grass was unkept and overgrown, and there hadn't been much movement around the house in quite some time. 94-year-old Evelyn, or Evelyn Keffler apparently died in August 2015, Several months after that, Richard Keffler died of natural causes as well. So the mom and the brother both died of natural causes. There's no murder. Um, there's no cannibalism, even though that's kind of been our big thing here. Nobody's yeah. been eaten. Um, nobody's been murdered. It's just kind of a, a sad tale. And it says here, before you think it's a real-life case of Norman Bates, the story is more strange than murderous. 
You know, maybe he uh, was just practicing that uh, Vietnamese ritual, you know, that one little village in uh, Vietnam where uh, every year they re-dig up the dead and they dress them up and, you know, act like they're alive because that's how they keep the spirit going. And they don't end up burying them for like 25 years. And like, you know, grandma's just a petrified mummy. And you're like, let's go have tea with grandma. Like, that's probably what he's doing. <laughs> right. We shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't judge. Several months after their deaths, Keffler wrote to their family members in Christmas cards and said that both his mother and brother were in bad health and could not talk on the phone, nor did they want any visitors. And mind you, again, that was after they died. Keffler said that his mother and his brother both were receiving disability, and social security, and both of which checks were deposited into their own accounts directly. Therefore, he did not meddle with them, didn't spend any money, didn't do anything illegal, nothing. He basically just lived there with his family. He told the, um, he told the police that he was just traumatized by losing his mother and his brother both, and he says, quote, I was traumatized. What would you do if you were in my situation? I don't know, bury my fucking family and... Go on. <laughs> you would think, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Right. No kidding. Mom's a little rank today. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. So it says the authorities decided to file a misdemeanor charge against Keffler in part to get him some help psychologically through the court system and also due to the fact that he did apparently – what do you call that? He interfered with a, a death scene or a dead body. So, you know, police could investigate what really happened. Right. His mom died in her room, I guess, in her bed. And he knew that she was sick and that she wasn't going to do very well. And he knew she was going to die. So you could peg him for this one because it says he did leave for a few hours until he came back uh, to see if she was dead. And, of course, she would already gone. So I guess in theory maybe you could double whammy this guy because she did – you know, maybe he could have saved her, could have called the police. But the thing is, she told him apparently that she wanted to die in this home because it was her home. It's where she wanted to die. It's where she lived. It's where she wanted to go. Yeah. But the brother, when he died shortly after, um, <laughs> I'm not making light of this, but he said he moved his brother's body out of the chair he passed away in into his other bedroom because, quote, he was getting in the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so sad. Man. God, that's... God damn it. Jerry fell over again. I guess I'm going to put him in his bed for a while. Yeah, that's so sad. But yeah, his mother's body was discovered to be mostly a skeletal uh, structure at that point with just some little bits of decay on it. And then the brother's body, oddly enough, was partially mummified. Yeah. And I think that's probably because it's in a nice, you know, dry, cool area. So it would just, you know. So, uh, naturally mummify itself. Did he say what he did about the smell? Because obviously, I mean, that fucking house is going to reek, man. Yeah, and the police said when they opened the doors, they did smell the kind of light, sweet stench of death, but nothing like overwhelming, like, you know, a body that had been dead for, you know, no, weeks. Nothing so. too, nothing too freaky. Yeah, but I mean, it would have had to have smelled bad for a while, you know? I mean, a body, a human body is going to smell pretty bad. Yeah. You know, a possum or – we had, a, I think, a mouse die under our house, and that puppy smelled for a while. So I can only imagine a human body, dude. That's got to stank. Yeah. Oof. Wolf. So. Wolf. Go Glade Mom again. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> she needs some Febreze. Oh, 
for breezy for sheezy. So that reminds me of uh, there's that uh, deleted scene from the original Jeepers Creepers where uh, he had broken into the cat lady's house. Uh-huh. And uh, in the, the final cut of the movie, you just see him push out the old lady with the shotgun uh, in her chest. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. But in the deleted scene, he has a southern accent like a cowboy. He's like, she don't smell so good, dairy. <laughs> so I imagine, you know, mom, uh, she don't smell so good, Glade. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. Jeepers Creepers 3 is going to be on sci-fi here in a couple days. It is, it is, it Man, is. Man, I'm debating whether I should watch it. I don't want to support that guy for being a pedo, but... Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a shot since it's sci-fi and you won't really get any money, any money from me. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get on to the next news story here real quick, and this is going to be a little closer to what we're going to focus on for this episode. And this came from uh, Shayla actually tagged me in this one here, and it says, This school security footage shows haunting paranormal activity and teachers are losing their shit. <laughs> <laughs> It's that ghost again. Right. Oh, man. And it's this. Where's this school at? I don't know. I saved it while we were driving home from Oklahoma, so that's my bad. It's a real good thing we aren't students at this school because, nope, education's important, but not that important. Hell, there's nothing you can't learn on the internet nowadays. This is so dumb. So basically, there's this footage um, from the New York Post of this school. So I guess we're going to just guess it's in New York because it doesn't say anywhere else. And it's a hallway shot down a hallway. And in the foreground, there's a kind of perpendicular set of lockers. And if you watch the footage in this tape, it shows a door open up down the hallway at the very end of the picture. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of slams shut. And then a few minutes later, you hear some like knocking and some noises and these lockers that are kind of set up like square cubbies, one of the doors comes flying open and a book falls out and then another book falls out and there's more knocking and another set of lockers starts kind of rocking back and forth and the whole structure leans forward and bangs against the wall a few times. And all that is interesting to me, even though you could fake it pretty well. Yep. But the part that the part that makes me think this thing is just some paranormal uh, activity movie is the entire time there's a very well lit contrasting wet floor sign in the foreground and the whole time I'm watching this video I'm thinking okay when is this wet floor sign going to fly across here and it does um, eventually it's an A-frame wet floor sign and the thing like one side flips up in the air and it almost rips in half and then it kind of goes <sighs> skittering across the floor so I don't know what do you think man tell me what your thoughts are bullshit <laughs> case closed case closed it's a done deal <laughs> excellent man excellent so what do you what do you think why do you think it's a fake video um i i don't uh, there's nothing there that would believe me to believe that there's any paranormal activity going on it's all that that's going on can easily be faked and produced Mm-hmm. And we see that time and time again from like paranormal shows, or we just live in a society now where that's the thing we do. We make like bullshit videos of like a clown chasing a guy because you know it's like uh, you know cl- killer clowns on the loose, and they're like just they're fake videos, like fake news. That's what we do, <laughs> right? That's true, man. And that's the thing that sucks. We're on this really uh, you know razor's edge of I don't man. know a real. 
Don't worry about getting your education on the internet. You go to that school in Brooklyn, that shit haunted. You're going to be getting a haunted education. Was that a shitty urban accent or a shitty cowboy accent? Fuck, I don't even know. This <laughs> Urban cowboy. <laughs> urban cowboy. <laughs> um, okay, so we're on this razor's edge of basically you have a cell phone, and Steven said this best the other day when we were talking. We're in an age where if something happens, somebody's going to record it. You've got in your hand you know, a better recording device than some movies that were made, you know, 40 years ago. We record everything. Anytime there's a fight, an altercation, something crazy, something sexy, something scandalous, we're recording it on our phone. 40 yeah. people are recording it instead of stepping in and helping. So we've got the uh, we've got the resources here to record this kind of stuff. But we've also got the resources to fake a shit ton of videos, just mm-hmm. like this one could be faked. And like you said, it's another paranormal activity. It's another, oh, let's make a spooky video and blah, 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 viral, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know, man. I want to believe that's the whole reason why I love paranormal stuff. I want to believe so bad. I am a very, very hopeful skeptic when it comes to this kind of stuff because I'm sold partly on it, partly until the wet floor sign goes flying up. And then I'm like, ah, man, nope. It, it, the way it flings up looks like one of the corners got grabbed by a rope and flipped up in the air. So that's what really kind of nails the coffin for me. So, like, when we talk like about paranormal activity and and, and things like that, uh-huh. and to to have a ghost manifest and to actually see like a full body apparition. Like, that is the holy of holies right there. Like, mm-hmm. that's something every ghost hunter, paranormal freak hopes for when they go to a supposed haunted location. But if you if you think of, like, any type of spirit activity or, like, ghosts as manifesting energy, mm-hmm. the conditions have to be right. Like, so right. It's, yeah. it's so rare. And so for all the shit to happen that happens in this, like, you know – five minute clip or whatever like th- th- there would have to be so much abundant fucking energy flowing through this school that it's mm-hmm. not you know it's almost impossible so right. and that's a good point that's a good point and poltergeist activity that happens poltergeist theorists believe that it has to do to, to children going through puberty and it has to do with like uh, stress and it's just mm-hmm. your subcon- your subconscious acting out so if it was in a house and you could, you know, show me that there was a kid that was going through some shit, and uh, I, I, I would might take it more serious. But it's in a fucking school with fake, weird-looking video cameras, like security cameras. So I'm, I'm gonna call bullshit. Calling bullshit. Okay, so let me argue with you for a second. If you're saying that it takes, you know, adolescent prepubescent energy to manifest poltergeists, what better place than a whatever this is, middle school or high school, to manifest that kind of material? I mean, that, those would have to be some negative fucking kids. Dude, have you seen kids, though? They're so <laughs> angsty these days. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they need in their life? They need punk rock. Yeah. Um, this happened in Ireland, guys. Sorry to be late to the info party here. It happened in Cork, Ireland. What the fuck did they need security cameras in Ireland for? They're all happy-go-lucky people that drink beer all the time. That's true. You would think so, anyway. Oh, um, they're says... going to get me lucky charms, the bastards. <laughs> <laughs> the above video was caught just after 3 a.m. last week on a security camera at a secondary school called Deer Park CBS. 
Um, according to the interviewer, Deer Park's head teacher, Aaron Wolf, was, quote, puzzled by the incident, which features slamming lockers, flickering lights, and a flying wet floor sign, among other horrors. I don't know other horrors. That seems like you're hamming this up a bit. You kind of nailed it. I mean, unless a slamming door yeah. is <laughs> constitutes for other horrors. <laughs> um, he says, although now he stops... Uh, it says, although now he stops to think about it, female staff do complain that this particular part of the building is extremely cold. It's nothing to catch a gust of cold air or a chill down your spine in the area. Also to note, it's right outside the religion room, which is weird. I mean, uh, has, uh, I don't know, somebody died. Was there a murder take place? Is it mm-hmm. like on a, a leprechaun burial ground? Like, wh- where are the facts? I, I need facts. It says the caretaker of the school has worked in the school for 30 years. He recalls many paranormal uh, stories. For example, on one occasion, the school was hosting an exotic bird show. The birds arrived a day before because the organizers were worried that someone might break in and steal the birds. Someone had to stay overnight. That person left the school in the middle of the evening and refused to ever come back or stay any longer as they heard, quote, the last call being played on a trumpet in the middle of the night. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. <laughs> this looks like a, a Facebook post, Deer Park CBS. We've had a lot of interest in our ghost and have been advised to contact a medium. For everybody's information, Mr. Barry used to be a medium, and now he's an extra large. Don't... <laughs> <laughs> He's a, he, he's a fatty? What? I don't care if this is real or not. That's all worth it for that joke. Mm. Oh, ain't no bad joke like a dad joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh. oh, that's good stuff. So that kind of brings us to what we want to talk about. We're going to go old school this episode, keep things on the down low, and just go with traditional ghosts for this uh, this bonus episode, man. No frills, just... Ooh. So you, you've talked a lot of times about being a kind of a ghost hunter um, yeah. before, and we've been out together on some trips and stuff like that. So tell me yeah. a little more about that. You got anything extra special you want to talk about? Um, so, I mean, really what got me started on the whole, like, you know, down the paranormal highway um, is, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I had a lot of shadow um, person encounters and uh-huh. a lot of sleep paralysis and things that went along with that. And, uh, you know, that's something you, you typically don't share with too many people. And then, of right. course, you know, one day we uh, we got to talking about the subject uh, and uh, we started exchanging uh, uh, stories back and forth. And right. then uh, I, I caught that uh, that show on uh, – was it sci-fi? Uh, that paranormal show that, uh, that did the reenactments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paranormal Witness. Yeah, Paranormal Witness. And that that's a really great show for the first five episodes of the first season. So if you ever want to YouTube that, YouTube the very first season and then stop watching it past that because then it, <laughs> they just turn to shit. But uh, that uh, the first show that I remember watching was uh, The Man in the Attic. And, you know, it talked about this uh, this lady who, you know, she was at this uh, in this house and uh, I believe it was in Arizona, and uh, she was a single mother. Um, she, her husband had left her in the middle of her pregnancy, so she was had a bun in the oven, and then had like a little four year old, three year old, 
and uh, she woke up one night to hear what sounded like rocks being poured down in between the walls, and the you know the the activity got worse and worse and worse and uh she had the the neighbor girl over one day and they were making lunch and they saw this this weird un, this unexplained light this orb floating mm-hmm. in the middle of the house and they took a photo and they actually captured it and so that was when the show was really good because they would present you with this evidence so they would show you the polaroid that the that the girl captured and then, uh, you know, it progresses to where she's being choked in the middle of the night and she wakes up and she sees like this old man. And for some reason, that story just kind of stuck with me. And I'm like, you know, if this this is something that we can prove, um, uh, then I should be able to go out and do some of these things. Like I should be able to go out and e- get EVPs um, mm-hmm. because they say that's like one of the easiest things. And so with an EVP, you know, you just get a recorder, you press play. And so that's what I started doing. On my lunch breaks, I would go down to the cemeteries. I would start doing recordings. And, uh, you know, sure shit, after a while, I started getting recordings and stuff. And uh, my uh, my brother, who is a 100% non-religious skeptic at the time, uh-huh. uh, he wanted nothing to do with it. It was giving me crap. And uh, we were in uh, Augusta. And uh, we were going to a funeral, and uh, the, after the, the the luncheon, we had an an hour to kill before the actual s- service started. So I said, "Hey, man, let's. Uh, I got my shit in the back of the car. Let's go down to the cemetery. I know where this really cool cemetery is. Let me show you what I do." And uh, we uh, get there, and I'm just like, you know, I got my brother here. He's a non-believer, and I need you guys to come forward. And leave me some tor- some type of message. Let me know that uh, you're real, and let him know that you're real. Because this guy, the son of a bitch, he is a non-believer. And uh, the next day, I started editing the recordings, you know, isolating sounds, and I come across a a male voice that says Christ is dead. And uh, my brother and I were the only two people in the cemetery. And it's one of those things that with EVPs that really gets my motor going is. When it's just you and one other person or it's just you by yourself and there's nobody else around, then there's no reason for why a clear voice or any type of voice for that matter should come across and give you an intelligent answer to a question. And so I, you know, sent it in an email and said, listen to this. Please explain this away, Mr. Skeptic. And he, <laughs> he he couldn't do it. And he was hooked ever since. So he said, shit, man, let's let's start doing this. This is fun. And uh, we started up our own little paranormal group called the Lost Cane Paranormal Investigations, and we've been doing it ever since. That's funny. That's kind of your <laughs> that's kind of your trademark. Like when I when I've gone out with you, you and I and Shayla and Jason went out. Um, you know the where were we at the cemetery? We're, we've gone a couple of places. So uh, the place where it's Kushner's uh, Kushner's Cemetery in Augusta. Yeah. And uh, that's where I got the crisis dead. And then we've gone to Therosa's Bridge, which, uh, you know, you wouldn't step inside the pentagram, but I'm going to let that go. I'm going to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I remember, you know, you're, <laughs> we went out there and your catchphrase when I was walking with you too was, so Sean here is a skeptic. <laughs> so if you could just, you know, come over here and touch his butt and blah <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> and I had to laugh because – you, it reminds me of the Ghost Adventures. Whenever you got that Zach Bagans guy wearing his gothic jinkos and everything, and he's just like, "Come at me, bro! Yeah, come on, at bro. me!" <laughs> but yours is a bit more subtle than that, so I appreciate that. But yeah, I like that, man. I mean, 
it might not be a bad approach. If somebody yeah. doesn't quite believe, maybe they need a little bit of kick in the pants. But yeah. And I, I, I don't not believe, but my thing was like, I just, I want to see it. Like, I believe it could be there, but I just, I need to, I need, maybe, maybe I got to get goosed by that ghost, you know? Maybe yeah. I need something to poke me in the butt or, you know, just walk up and slap me in the face to really, really just completely invest in that, you know? So... Well, you've uh, you've put together kind of a compilation for us here uh, about EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon. Yep. And so we'll go ahead and play that in a second. But my here's my thing, and this is uh, maybe going to be a good disclaimer. You've kind of enhanced some of the audio, so it's not clear cut like you and I talking, and then I just no. cut out background noise. It's been electronically enhanced, so there is a little bit of yeah. Um, what would you call that? Like. Um, so basically static yeah so basically in any any given situation because class a evps are really are really hard to come across and um they're just they're they're like the holies of holies it's like trying to see a full body apparition like the conditions have to be just right but in other situations you get a lot of class b's which are whispers or they're just light yeah. voices. And so to be able to make those out, uh, you, you do have to, you know, jump up the volume a little bit. And then if there's a lot, you know, you're, you're out in the middle of a cemetery, but maybe like some of the cemeteries are, you know, in the city limits. So you're going to have background noises like cars. And so you're trying to reduce those background noises as much as you can. Um, Class C's, you, you know, in, in the recordings, I, I, I'll tell you, like, I believe this is a class C and, and I believe this is what it's saying. Um, it, it could be a digital artifact. That's a problem with class C's. Um, class C's could always be just be a digital artifact, something that's just there and you're just wanting to make a sound out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you on the class B's, I mean, those are whispers and you can hear a whisper clearly say yes. Um, and that's why I always say when you're doing these investigations, do clear cut answers where you can do yes or no. Um, you know, the metaphys- metaphysics, we don't really understand what happens after death. And, uh, you know, if it's a transference of energy, you know, just imagine that it, it, it could probably take a lot of energy to say, Hey, my name is Sean. I was born in 1984 and I died this way. Whereas if, Hey, uh, I'm, I want to talk to a spirit. What's your favorite color? Uh, you know, it's easier for one-liners like red, blue, uh, yes, no, and things like that. So, Gotcha. There you go. Well, we'll go ahead and play these for you guys real quick and um, get some information out of Preston here, and we'll come back and talk about them after a minute. I wanted to take the time to go over EVPs, what they are, and how to get them. For me, EVPs were one of the things I could easily do and prove to myself that the paranormal world was real. You don't have to be an expert to get them. You don't need fancy equipment. Hell, all you need is an open mind and a little bit of patience. EVPs, or electric voice phenomenon, come in a wide range of styles. Some are loud and clear, while others are much softer and need headphones or amplification to hear. And still, others are low, garbled, and otherwise unclear. While there could be many reasons why EVPs come in such a wide variety of styles, paranormal investigators and researchers often use a classification system to rate the quality of an EVP recording. The following is the classification of EVPs that are generally accepted and used among paranormal researchers and investigators. 
Class A. This type of EVP is loud, clear, and of very high quality. The voice is easily understandable and does not need enhancement or amplification. Class B. This is the most common type of EVP. This EVP is of somewhat lower quality and clarity than a Class A, but is still very audible. Class B EVPs often do need some amount of enhancement or amplification to be heard clearer. The voice may not be clear enough to be totally understood, or there may be disagreement as to what it is saying. Finally, Class C. This is the lowest quality of EVP. With a Class C EVP, even the best enhancement and amplification may not be sufficient to make the voice audible or clear. There may even be debate whether or not an EVP is actually present. Now, some paranormal investigators go further with Class D EVPs, but to me, these are really just Class Cs. They're the bottom of the rung, the lowest of the low. So how does one get an EVP? I'm glad you asked. It's simple. Get a digital recorder or an old-fashioned cassette recorder. And yes, they still make those. And press play. Oh, and make sure the place is haunted. You can't get an EVP sitting in your car while you're at work. Ask questions like, tell me what year it is. How did you die? What is your name? What is your favorite color? And what is it like on the other side? Wait a few minutes in between each questions as this gives enough sufficient time for the spirits to answer. I generally have a practice of five minutes in between each question asked. Now let's move on to things to look for, to do, and not to do. Graveyards are a good place to start. They are quiet. Some are off limits at night but don't let that discourage you. You can work around that. But be mindful of outside noises and your surrounding area, such as birds, planes, cars, dogs, your feet making a crunching sound, and your ghost-busting buddy farting or breathing heavy. <sighs> that's not a ghost. That's just your wheezy friend. So many beginners get excited over a sound that's not paranormal, but something from the previously stated. So make notes, like... This is Preston, and at 4 minutes and 12 seconds, my partner Sean yawned. Or, 7 minutes, 10 seconds in, a plane flew overhead. Please disregard sound. Now, let's move on to the next step. State your purpose when you start the recording. For example, This is Preston, and I'm with the Lost Cane Paranormal. I am here today to communicate with any spirit that wishes to step forward and answer any question that I may ask. Know that I'm here to help you in any way, which may mean helping you cross over or to pass messages on to loved ones. If you don't wish to communicate today, know that I will return in the future and hope you reach out at that time. When you close the session, state that you do not give any spirit permission to follow you home and that you end communication, like so. I am now ending this EVP session. I'd like to thank all the spirits who stepped forward and communicated to me with, at this time. Please know that I do not give you permission to communicate with me any further until our next session, nor do I give you permission to follow me home or attach yourself to me. Your place is here. Thank you, and again, this ends today's session. That's it. 
That's really all there is to EVP recordings. Now play back the recording and listen for anything that shouldn't be there. As a treat, I've compiled some of the best EVPs that I've gotten over the years. So sit back and relax with this spooktacular treat of EVPs. So in this first EVP, you'll hear my brother and I conversing back and forth on how it is cold. In the middle of that, you'll hear a small whisper say, yes, then my brother agree with me that it is cold. Here, take a listen. I'm cold. Again, let's listen to the whisper. I'm cold. This next example, I would say, is a class C. To me, it sounds like the electronic voice is saying, I'm freezing. Let's take a listen. Again, let's take another listen. Now this next EVP my brother and I captured while we were investigating Thorosa's bridge. We used the device that plugged into our recorder that basically turned everything into amplification sounds, much like a guitar pickup. I believe it says, I lost child, please help. Again, let's take a listen. These next two that I'm going to play for you, I captured while I was in Jamesburg Park Cemetery in West Wichita. Now, I used a PBS7 spirit box, which cycles through radio stations to generate a white noise which spirits can use. In the first one, you'll hear me ask a spirit why they are still here, why they haven't moved on. A male voice comes across and answers, too, afraid. In the same session, I had asked some other questions, and you'll hear two spirits interrupt each other and say, he's curious, I know he is. Take a listen and see what you think.
Now this next one takes place in Resurrection Cemetery, which is also over on the west side of Wichita. In it, I was with a friend doing an investigation, and as we were walking around the cemetery taking photos, you can hear a male voice in the background say, Enough. Take a listen. We're going to take some pictures real quick. I'm going to play just two more for you. Now, these are from two different investigations, but both with my brother, who is my ghost-busting partner in crime. The first one was from one of the first cemeteries we went to, which was Maple Grove Cemetery. It's in Valley Center, Kansas. Now, in it, you'll hear us banter back and forth about these little ceramic squares or granite squares that are surrounding a bunch of the grave. They say MC on it. Now, I assumed that the square MCs marked off a parameter for a family so that people would know that the whole family was buried there. Everybody in the McCullough family or whatever. My brother was under the impression that MC was something for Latin. In this EVP, you'll clearly hear my brother say, I think MC is Latin, and an older male voice says, it is. Now, in the second EVP that you'll hear was from a house investigation that my brother and I did. In it, we used the PBS7 ghost box, and we asked how many spirits were present with us. You'll clearly hear a Hispanic male say, three. Listen to both EVPs and let us know what you think. How many of you are here besides us? We hope you've enjoyed listening to these EVPs, and maybe they've made you a little bit more curious about the paranormal world. And maybe you'll be curious enough to try and investigate for yourself whether there is anything behind this electronic voice phenomenon. Thank you, and stay spooky, my friend. So that's that's basically how to get EVPs um, and then the different classifications of what we would consider a um, you know class A, class B, class C. I don't go as far as class Ds because I'm I'm not that, you know, um, what was the word? Uh, what's the type of paranormal investigator? I'm not that like douchey. Like, oh, this is a class D and a class G, which G means garbage. <laughs> I mean, sir, you got you got C is the lowest of the low, so we're just gonna stop there. Uh, now there is another class, and I didn't really talk about it because uh, most people I don't know how they feel about them, but every now and then you'll get an EVP where you'll hear a gargly noise, like a nom nom shum nom nom, and you're like. And what the fuck is that? So if you isolate that in your uh, audio program and you hit the reverse button and flip the audio backwards and then uh-huh. play it, it'll say, hi, my name is Fred. I like cheese. And so they call those class <laughs> R's for reverse because when you listen to them, um, it's reverse English or a reverse language. But then when you alter it and flip it, um, you'll actually get a coherent sentence. Um 
I don't know. I don't know how to explain those. And I, I mean, some people could say that that's just bunk as well because you know you're you're hot, you're really editing that to get something out of it, and those could be easily faked. So. I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. And uh, so uh, the PBS Seven is uh, the only ghost box that I use, and uh, it was actually you can look up the the story behind it. But a, a guy lost his daughter in a car crash on uh, her uh, senior year, and uh, he got to the hospital just in time for her to take her last breath. And because uh, she was clinically like a vegetable, she was clinically dead and they had to take her off life support. And so, you know, when he tells this story, it's really emotional as a parent for me to imagine, you know, you're there for their first breath. And then he was there for her last breath. Oh, and wow. uh, he uh, didn't handle the death very well, but uh, he, he started to get into occult practices and things like that. And uh, he developed this this device called a PBS seven. And what it does is it cycles through anywhere from five to eight radio stations per one second. And it generates what we call uh, white noise or brown noise, depending uh-huh. on which frequency you have it on. And it, it, it just gives, uh, you know, what the, you know, ghost hunters say, it, it just gives uh, the ghost an opportunity to manipulate that frequency or manipulate that sound. And uh, a lot of, a lot of people will put it on FM because FM is the loudest, but you'll hear them play back the audio and edit it. And they're like, can you, can you tell me what day it is? And then it's really just a newscaster. Like it's Tuesday and raining and sunny. And they're like, see, it says it's Tuesday. I got a, I got a voice of a ghost. And, uh, sometimes (laughs) it's just, it's going so fast that you can't even understand what it's saying. And it's like, he said, yes, no, it was just a blip. There was no yes there. Um, I like to use it on AM because if you break off the antenna and you put it on AM, mm-hmm. you're not getting any sound whatsoever except just that weird of cycling through the radio station. So it's like uh, when you're changing a radio station on an old car, you know that weird like uh, you're just getting that effect. And uh, and that one EVP that we just played, that's where I got that man's voice that said "too afraid." Um, so between the two and afraid that actually cycled through, uh, maybe 16 or 18 radio stations on AM with a broken antenna. So if you think about that, that would be almost impossible for that just to be the same voice across all those different radio stations. Because one, I've broken off the antenna and then two, it's AM. So there's not a lot being picked up anyways. And so to get a coherent voice to say too afraid, or the the one voice that says I'm curious, or he's curious. I know he is. To me, that's more evidence that you picked up something than a ghost hunter who puts it on FM and just you know cycles through rock and roll stations and you know Beyonce <laughs> stations. So. Right. Oh, that's funny. It kind of reminds me of the way that Bumblebee speaks in the uh, Transformer movies. Yeah, yeah. So I mean. I I don't know. I like the the EVPs much more than that type of deal because it kind of factors into that whole pareidolia idea that oh shit, it made a sentence. Well, but it could have easily just been the sentence put together out of sheer coincidence. Right. Right. So like, but I mean, I I would give that more credence than some of these cell phone apps because when when we went to um, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, here recently, our second time of going, we went to a hotel and did a ghost tour there. And the the hotel we were at the basin and we did the basin mm-hmm. ghost tour spirits of the basin, 
And the tour's fun. The hosts were fantastic. But, you know, we go to the ballroom and they have everybody download this app. And it's supposed to be like a ghost box app. And I, it was more for show because what the, the box does is you walk around. It's got a meter that goes up and down and up and down and up and down. And these little, like, you know, tinkering Ghostbuster-looking tools. And then every once in a while, a word will pop up on the screen. And it says, like, murdered, child, boy, drowned. And everybody's getting so excited. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mine just said murder. Mine just said murder. And I thought, uh, this is kind of like when you filter through all the radio stations. Like, you've probably got a glossary of 500 mm-hmm. random words that are closely associated with hauntings. And they just pop up and you do what you want to do. Yeah. But what was kind of interesting when we did it was I didn't put a whole lot of faith into it because mine came up with like a lot of words that made no sense at all towards anything. But then one of them said something like gang – Gang bang. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I know it what's going to happen in this hotel tonight. Yeah, it said something like gang or group and then murder or dead. And then it said coin. And so I took it up to Bobby, the one of the hosts, and I was like, hey, man, mine just said coin. He's like, that's really interesting. And I'm going to tell you why in just a little bit. So we ended up making our way to the bottom of this hotel. And in the very bottom, there's this like pretty much like a cavern that's kind of been carved out to be like a room, like a cellar. Mm -hmm. And that's back where they had all the illegal gambling machines, you know, the old one-armed bandit slot machines and stuff like that, where all the mob bosses used to go down there and do their gambling. And then eventually, of course, the police, I believe, seized it and cut it out. But, uh, you know, back then, a lot of drinking, a lot of mafia or or mob-type situations, people got killed over money all the time. So he said it was kind of a a coincidence that, you know, you got the word murder and, and coin, in the hotel and downstairs, you know, we had some illegal gambling going on back in the day. So I don't know. Sure. Those are fun, but I would, I would definitely think your, your ghost box with the perusing of other radio stations would have more credence than a, a cell phone app. You know, right. the cell phone app is just going to yeah. be based on probably a loop or a pre-recording that just goes over and over. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I don't, I don't recommend any of the cell phone apps. Uh, you know, there's like cell phone Ouija boards and those yeah. are just, those are just programmed to move around and it just has randomly generated words. And so with those, I mean, the programmer has programmed the word demon, Satan and all those in there. Yeah. And so you can ask it a question and it can randomly just pop up demon, demon. And that, that doesn't mean shit because it's been programmed to do that. Um, I've used the Ouija board a couple times. I've never had any good experience with it. Um, what do you mean by that? Good experience, like it's all been bad, or you know, I haven't had anything that like got you I, anything good. I, I like the planchette didn't fucking move. It Ooh. didn't give me an answer that made any sense whatsoever. Like if if I use a Ouija board, I want something like The Exorcist to happen. Like I want Captain Howdy to show up in the house, <laughs> or right. you know whatever. But uh, you know I could I couldn't get any anything to happen with it, and uh, so I don't know. Maybe that's one of those tools that it just the circumstances have to be right, and uh, they just weren't right that night. But right. uh, another thing that you can do. Um, if you have a, a supposed haunted location, is you can get a old cam recorder that has the uh, uh, audio video plugins that you can plug into the TV. Right. So, and uh, what you do is uh, you plug it into the TV and set the TV to you know video one or whatever it is, and yeah. then you turn the cam recorder facing the TV. 
and what it does is it creates a video feedback loop of a, of a TV inside a TV inside of a TV inside of a TV. Ooh, kind of like and a mirror, right? You yeah. Oof. Yeah. And then and if you when you go to hit record and hit the record button, it causes that image to become all staticky and you get like lines and everything across it. And uh, there have been some uh, some paranormal investigators that used that because it said that again it, it changed the frequency around the TV and it allowed the spirit to leave shadow person images or certain images of you know if you said how did you die then they could show you a scene of their murder of them being shot or whatever it is and it's called the uh, video feedback method and uh, I've never tried it because I've you know never gone to a house for a client where they said hey sure you can set up all that crap in my house and do it <laughs> uh, so I haven't tried to see if it actually works but um, it's something I'm interested in so <laughs> That's awesome. And putting this show together was a complete fucking nightmare because I actually had this book called How to Speak to the Dead that kind of yeah. gave you it gave you the <sighs> basics on like how to do EVP recordings, how to do the video feedback loop, um how to do a uh, what they call a, a séance of uh how to uh, contact somebody from the other side, mm-hmm. which if you wanted to do it, you would make an altar somewhere, like a room in your house. And uh you would cover it in white tablecloths, you would put a bunch of white candles around it. You would get some incense and then take objects that reminded you of that person, like a photo of them, maybe their glasses, their wallet, a lock of hair. I mean, whatever you had. And you'd make this basically like a shrine to them. And then every day you would go in there and meditate on them for an hour. And then you would start this fasting process where you uh, don't drink any coffee, don't drink any pop, don't drink any tea, water only. You cut out all red meats out of your diet so you don't eat any type of chicken, pork, fish, anything. So your diet becomes nuts, fruits, water. And you do this for almost 30 days to 60 days depending on what happens to 30 days. And then you focus on contacting this person every day when you go to meditate for an hour. And supposedly after the, that fasting for 30-day mark, you'll just have this, you know, spiritual experience and contact that person from the other time. Huh. Interesting. I, I'm, not that, uh, I'm not that persistent. I don't have that much patience, so I, I didn't get around to trying that out. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> right. so I'm, not, I'm not opposed to trying out any... Uh, you know, paranormal experiments. So, I mean, like, if you say a place is cursed, I'll go to the cursed place. Um, you know, if you say that people go disappearing in the mountain, take me to that mountain. I'm not afraid to do any of that. I just don't have the patience for 30 days of fasting. But uh, that that book, uh, I was going to, you know, get it, reread it, and uh, do it for the show. I pulled it out of uh, my bookcase. I set it down. And then the night I went to go put those EVPs together, book was gone. I couldn't find it anywhere. Asked everybody in the house, and nobody's like, I, I haven't seen that book. I don't know where that – what are you talking about? <laughs> right? And uh, so the book disappeared. Then I went to go pull all the files off of my portable hard drive, and none of my cords would work, so they wouldn't recognize the hard drive. So I had to go buy – um, a special cord, a USB cord, uh, to get the fucking hard drive to work. And then tonight, as Sean and I are connecting to record, right. I, I have no audio for about uh, uh, five or ten minutes. Had to restart the computer. It's like they didn't want us to talk about EVPs and to share the, the EVPs with the world. So Yeah, yeah, we had, we've been planning this and talking about 
you know, this for uh, a week or two now about what we're going to do. And you said, yeah, I got this book and I'm going to read this book and talk about this book. And like every day you called me over the last two or three days, you're like, I can't find the freaking book. Like, where's the book? I've asked everybody knows, nobody knows where it's at. I swear to God, I had a book. (laughs) It's just gone. (laughs) And, uh, so the the author of that book, his uh, first name was Constantine. And, Mm, uh, I think his, I I think his, uh, last name was uh, Daniels or, Uh uh, uh, some Greek last name. And, uh, he was actually on, uh, that, uh, Oh, what's that uh, show with Zach? Zach, whatever his nuts is. Uh, Ghost Adventures. Ghost Adventures. They brought him on several times. So they brought him on and his wife on to uh, you know hear kind of their evidence. So they would play back EVPs. They would bring them in to see what the, they could find out as far as like psychic readings go. Uh-huh. But I get, I guess that uh, they had a uh, she had a violent history, so she was very abusive. And uh, he had to call the cops on her several times for domestic violence. Oh, wow. And then one day he snapped, uh, stabbed her to death in a hotel room. And uh, somebody had called the cops. And when they showed up, he said, this is a hostage situation. Don't come in. And then next thing you know, there was a gunshot and he killed himself. So. Oh, man. Yeah. So he killed himself after he was on Ghost Adventures? Yeah, he was on Ghost Adventures for a couple of years, and then uh, you know him and his wife went through a divorce. Um, she sounds like from the re- police report, she was kind of crazy to begin with, and had some domestic violence charges. And uh, something happened; he stabbed her and then shot himself. So, holy crap! Yeah. So, kind of a kind of a weird deal. Yeah, that's pretty fucked, man. Huh. And that information was in that book that disappeared? Uh, all the information about how to ghost hunt was in that book that disappeared. But uh, <laughs> I remember reading that and remember his name because it was really kind of a, you know, you don't hear the name Constantine whatever very often. Right. And then a c- couple years later, I started watching that shit show Ghost Adventures. So I'm like, fuck, I do this. Let's we'll see what these guys do. And I'm like, wait a minute. I know that guy. I read his book. And then, uh, yeah, I read a news article where uh, he you know, did a murder homicide. And I'm like, whoa. Holy shit. Yeah. And that's creepy, man. That makes you wonder, like, if all that investigation and everything else made you go crazy or if, you know, what I, happened? Yeah. I, I mean, a negative, uh, something negative could attach itself. And, uh, you know, there were people who messed with the Ouija board. And uh, there's a spirit entity known as Zozo. And nothing ever good comes of dealing with this demon called Zozo, if that's his real name. And uh, so that's why a lot of people just don't fuck with Ouija boards, because you don't know what's going to answer. So, <laughs> Right. Or get inside pentagrams, because you never know what's inside. Well, you know, back whenever I lived in those apartments, and I've talked about this on the show before, our neighbors that live below us used a Ouija board, and ever since they used the Ouija board, all sorts of wicked shit happened in that apartment, too. Yeah. <clears throat> that was really, really messed up to me. And, you know, it's funny because I talk about how we go out and we go to the graveyard and did the ghost hunting, and I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever, rolling my eyes, and I'm just I'm just happy to be there. I wouldn't touch a, a freaking Ouija board if I was probably paid. So... Put that in your yeah. pipe and smoke it. <laughs> I'll walk through any graveyard with any camcorder and recording device you want, but I will not touch a Ouija board or mm-hmm. the planchette for 
yeah. any small amount of money at all. So, yeah. Because once that happened, all sorts of weird shit happened in our apartment. And I told them, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to get in there. You guys probably should be putting that away, especially because you're drunk. Those kind of things just mm-hmm. add up for disaster. And then we had the closet doors that would open up and shut on their own and lights that would come on and off and disembodied voices and everything else, man. So Now, if anybody who's extremely afraid of ghosts and uh, ghost hunting, uh-huh. I, have to, I have to tell you, with all my years of experience, I, I've never once uh, have been choked, slammed into anything. I've never had any weird scratches happen on my body. Um, I've never seen anything. And I've only been touched once. And uh, it was one of those things that uh, I wasn't really sure that I, I, you know, because it felt like somebody tugged on my shirt. But then uh, when I went to go back and play the EVP recording, it it actually said a hand right after I said, I think I've been touched. And uh, that was kind of more of a holy shit. That was fucking awesome, man. That was one of those (laughs) more than, oh, my God, I just got touched. And so, I mean, it's not it's not as scary as Hollywood makes it sound. I'm not saying that there's not scary things out there, but uh, I think for the most part, uh, it's a lot. It's more boring than what you think. It takes a lot of patience because you got to go through. You got to isolate these things. You got to. So it's not something that happens then and there. I mean, some of the stuff. You know, you'll find later on in the recordings, and so sometimes ghost ghost hunting is a little bit more boring than what people think. So, yeah, that's true. It's a lot of needle in a haystack type stuff. You know, yeah. like you said, you've recorded how many hours and hours and hours, and then you get a couple bits yeah. here and there. So, yeah. So, um, anyways, I hope everybody's in, you know enjoyed the evidence that uh, we presented and. Uh, you know, drop us a line. Let us know what you think. If you think some of them were good, let us know. If you think that they were all bullshit, uh, that's cool too. Say, hey, man, those those EVPs were bunk. Those were bullshit, <laughs> right? And go back and listen to them again because, like, my complaint a lot of times about a lot of EVPs are, I want to hear it as clear as you and I. If you come to me and say you've got a voice that just said Cooper murdered eighteen oh four, like I want to hear it clear like that. I don't want to hear you know, a bunch of garbage in the back. But again, I like to call you an amateur, a professional amateur ghost hunter. Yeah. So you don't have the equipment that a lot of these quote shows have. And a lot of these high dollar, you know, ghost hunters have, you've got what you've got that you've been able to, you know, put together with, with your own devices. Yeah. Pun intended in some cases. So, I mean, go back and listen to those again. You'll hear some, what I like to call mechanical gray noise in the background. And that's just you enhancing the 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 noise and and the words and the voices right. and really trying to um, isolate those from background noise. So keep that in mind. Go back and listen to it again a second or third time and see if you can hear something or see if you can hear what Preston talks about. Because you know I, I straddle that fence of thinking a lot of it's bullshit, but when I go back and I listen to it with an open mind, knowing oh okay they're not clear because you've had to isolate them and amplify them because again it's a whisper potentially. So. Once I go back and listen to those again, you know, it's, it's a bit more telling. I have a little more faith in them when I go back and listen to it again. And that uh, there, there's one that I presented where, 
you know, we, we talk about all this weird shit that's happened with the book going missing. Yeah. Uh, there was a EVP I recorded in Valley Center with my brother. And, uh, you know, in the in the, the production valley that I put together, I said, you know, we're talking about these little grave markers uh, for a family that said MC. Yeah. And I'm trying to explain to Jason they're just – they're a plot marker. And he's like, no, it's Latin. Well, we actually captured a recording of an old man that said it is after Jason said that it was Latin. And that's what I saved on my computer. I saved the file as Latin it is. And I'm like, man, this will be a good one to do on the show. So then I'm like, you know, so I recorded me explaining what it was. And then I found it on my my hard drive. And then when I went back to listen to the recording, completely <laughs> fucking different EVP. It, I'm just like, what the fuck? That w- it was labeled Latin it is. But no, for I don't know what happened. And that's not the, that's not the EVP that I saved six years ago on my hard drive. So yeah, another really weird, whatever you want to call it. Huh? How interesting. I was thinking about, we should take a road trip to stole Kansas where one of those gates to hell are. Hell yeah, man. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell. But the problem is apparently (laughs) the police have decided because of all the tomfoolery and everything else, there's a $1,000 fine to anybody who is uninvited. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. You know, graveyards, a lot of them have curfews, but I have found that if you let local law enforcement know, like, hey, you know, we're not vandals, we're a paranormal group, we're just trying to do some experiments, this is the time that we're going to be here, do we have your guys' permission? That Most of them will say, yeah, that's fine. Um, So if you ask in advance, they're usually cool with it. If they're not, you know, pick another fucking graveyard. So. And what is it? I've heard Stoll, Kansas was a like a well. So Stoll, Kansas, um, something happened where there 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 was a farmer that, that owned a bunch of land there, and um, a, a city official was trying to buy the property, and he wasn't wanting to give it up, and so the 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 mayor or whatever it was uh, killed the guy and, and dumped his body down the well. And then faked some documents and ended up building the town of Stoll there on that on that property, and so somehow the the act of murder and dumping the body down uh, the well opened up the seventh portal of hell, uh-huh. and, the, and they call the well Satan's chair uh, because if you sit on the on the actual the the lip of the well, um, and if you uh, make any comments about hey Satan come get me that the ghost of the man murderer will pop up out of the well grab you by the sh- you know neck of your shirt and pull you down into the well and drown you and keep you with him for all eternity huh. and uh, you know there have been reports of people seeing demons and demonic entities uh, around the church and uh, it, the reports got so bad that during the, the mid 90s they demolished the church finally and then they put up really tall metal fences all the way around the cemetery and on the grounds of where the church used to be uh-huh. to keep off, uh, you know, people. Right. Well, from what I could figure out, it, it used to be a church, and the church isn't there anymore. And there's a cemetery for the church, and the cemetery is no longer there. But supposedly the basement stairwell is still there and still creeps into the ground. Yeah. And so that itself is supposed to be the gateway, and it's not really a mine, or it's not really a well, but it's just like a stairway in the darkness. Yeah. 
And that's that's the way a lot of these gateways are supposed to be too. Like I've been trying to research different, you know, the seven gateways to see if they really do, you know, form a pentagram and all that kind of crap. And then other people say, oh, no, it's not seven gateways. It's only five gateways because there's five tips to the star and all this kind of crap. But, uh, yeah, it's funny to go online. If you guys ever get a chance, go online and look up Gates to Hell you know, North American gates to hell. And there's people who are like, Ooh, last night in the cemetery, one of these coffins submerged and, and, or, uh, emerged and opened up. And if you look into it, it's so dark. It's like, it goes on forever. I think it's a gateway to hell. Well, I mean, uh, so toad, toad road is uh-huh. a gateway to hell, but then all the, all the actual, like there was a sane asylum on the road somewhere. Like that was just turned out to be total bullshit. Like that's just folklore. Like there's no actual historical evidence of a, a sane asylum ever being anywhere around toad road. Uh huh. And, uh, you know, we talked about last show, the, the fucking castle Huska. Um, supposedly it's a cavern into hell. Um, but, uh, they covered it the fuck up. So we'll never know about, I don't know. Hmm. What was the deal with Toad Road? Uh, basically, there's like this stretch of road in Pennsylvania where uh, like all these murders and disappearances take place. And if you find the right marker and you go back into the woods, there's like these trees that create this archway. And that leads into the fifth gate of hell or fourth gate of hell or third <laughs> gate of <laughs> hell. But not the seventh gate, because there's only five points in the star of the pentagram of Satan. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, As a Mason, I can tell you that the pentagram is not a satanic symbol whatsoever. Uh, Oh, sure you can. What are you, a 30-second? I am, so I I, I have. Yeah, shut (laughs) your mouth. You just drank the Kool-Aid. Now we'll never know the secrets. Rob and I are just in the cold. Yeah, so hey, real quick, congrats on that, man. man. You are a 32nd degree Mason. That's fantastic. Um, On a side note, Toad Road, Pennsylvania, the story that I found says, Toad Road is a house, or the Toad Road house, is another house where years ago a mother, father, and baby lived on a farm in the middle of a field. The mother killed her baby in the basement one night and then went upstairs to the living room and hung herself from the rafters in the house. Uh, people report seeing a noose still swinging from the ceiling and the basement light being turned on. Um, the farmhouse is in the middle of a field where the mother hung herself. It's been torn down. Whoever owns the land didn't want it there anymore. Well, we should go We should go search for those one of these days. So we should mark on a map, Stolkins, Toad Road, Pennsylvania, and we should see if you can make a pentagram star and then where are the other gates of hells are and see if you can make a star out of those. If you can't make a star on a map, bullshit. And if you make a flaccid penis, you know we've all been punked. Oh, go to penisland.com. <laughs> penisland.com. Don't listeners. don't go to penisland.com, folks. Do not go to penisland.com. That could get us in a lot of trouble. Oh, that's a great story. Well, as promised before, this whole idea of doing these bonus episodes were actually based on more than just Preston and I rambling back and forth about stuff. We were supposed to be talking about some listener stories. And so I think we'll finish up um, with a listener story or rather a series of stories. I was sent by a listener and the house or rather haunted house that she grew up in um, out in the country. (laughs) This comes from a listener named Diane, 
And apparently Diane grew up in a really spooky-ass house. And she's decided to go ahead and share some of these stories with us. I'm sure there's more where this came from, but she gave us a pretty decent amount to get started with. So without further ado, I'll get into it. The house I grew up in is located out in the country with only three neighbors in the whole four-mile area. It was set back in a small grove of trees surrounded by a rather large field. And according to my research... A home did stand on site in the late 1800s when the land and the home all belonged to one person. The house is two stories tall with a back porch which has been added on in the 60s which my dad also extended along the downstairs bedroom. Part of remodeling the deck and bedroom required tearing up the floor and digging out the old root cellar. The root cellar under the house was scary all on its own, without any help from any of the ghosts. The entrance was a flat door on the floor under my bed that laid down a rickety set of stairs down to a small earthy room. There were large stones that had been put in the dirt, and the only light that would come into the cellar was a small area that had been cut out of the wall from under the house. It was literally a small square where they had dug out a little hole for light as the house did not have a foundation and it set directly on the ground. Anyway, that's enough about the old house. I just wanted to give you some backstory. So basically, this girl's house sits on top of an old root cellar, which is creepy, Ooh. like she said, all on its own. I'm imagining some yeah. evil dead kind of shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So one night when I was younger, I had this dream where I was standing in that fucking creepy-ass root cellar. In the dream, I knew exactly where I was, and I was terrified. The only light in the cellar was from the moonlight coming in that little cut-out window in the side. As I was standing down there, this little girl comes walking down the steps and stops right in front of me. She looks similar to the American Girl doll named Samantha. That's what I like in her, too, anyway. I don't mean she looked just like her twin or anything, just similar in fashion. She was staring at me, expressionless, and I asked her if I could help her. She just kept staring at me, and then, all of a sudden, I was surrounded by tons of the same little girl that looked just like her. There were just multiple her standing all around me. They were all bearing different expressions, and they all started snapping their fingers in unison. I was so scared in that moment, I ran up those rickety little stairs, and when I went to push the door open, smoke started pouring in all around me. Everything outside the door was blackened, burnt, and hot. I woke up and could still hear the snapping of those little girls in my room. After finally gaining some courage, I told my parents about this dream, and they told me that when they were tearing out the back porch ceiling to extend out the back porch during the remodel, The rafters were actually burnt that they uncovered. But they also told me I had an overactive imagination and that I scare way too easily. Could this be? Maybe so. But I can also attest that while living in that house growing up, I had nothing but nightmares. In that house, I became very, very accustomed to hearing little things, like footsteps and doors. Sometimes coughs or whispers or smelling perfume was not uncommon. Even hearing cars pull up in the driveway, hearing their doors slam, only to find out that nobody was outside. Events were not limited to nighttime either, as they would happen randomly during any time of day. 
They would hit with an influx of activity, and it would go quiet for weeks, and then bam, it would start up all again. On another evening, I was lying in bed, and I was drifting off to sleep, when all of a sudden, I felt a hand touch my head. It was a small, feminine hand in its touch, but with sharp fingernails. I felt it gently run its fingers across my scalp and around my left ear. At the same moment, I heard a very airy female whisper, It's the end. Directly into my ear. Obviously, I was frightened as shit. I jumped up, turned the light on, and as pathetic as it sounds, even now I'm in my 30s and I still cannot sleep in total darkness. Another time, it was around 5 p.m. I was home alone and I was sitting in the living room. This room was right above the root cellar, right below my bedroom. So I'm imagining her bedroom must have been over this hatch, over this root cellar, and then as time went by, she must have moved her room upstairs to basically the room right above it. Right. My bedroom was a balcony. My bedroom had a balcony door, which I kept locked and also deadbolted, especially during the times when I was home alone. The family room had a sliding glass door that had these types of large shades that hung from them with a mechanism across the top, and they were weighted at the bottom. So when they opened, you pulled a little lever or a pulley system, and they would open. This would cause them to sway back and forth. Anyway, I was sitting on the couch, and I saw the shades start swaying back and forth on their own. I could hear my balcony door also squeaking as if something had opened it. You had to push it really hard to get it over the jungle of carpet that I had on my floor in my room. So my first instinct was that somebody was in the house. This scared the shit out of me. So I got real quiet, and I went into the next room. And I could hear whoever had opened the door walking through my room, and then making their way through my sister's room. And then the footsteps stopped at the top of the stairs in the kitchen. I waited for what felt like forever, and I heard nothing then. I somehow mustered up the courage to search the room. I literally found nothing. The door itself was locked tight as ever. So I went outside and waited for my dad to come home. After the experience I had, I told my dad, and he put screws in the door to ensure it could never be opened again. Another evening, I was upstairs in my bedroom. I was trying to study, and all of a sudden, my sister came upstairs and got in bed next to me. I asked her, what's wrong? But she wouldn't tell me. She just sat there. So I just went back to my business and kept studying. Later that evening, I found out that while she was downstairs doing the dishwash... Later that evening, I found out that while she was doing the dishes downstairs, she heard me whisper in her ear to go upstairs, but I wasn't anywhere near her. (laughs) That's creepy. Another evening when everyone was home, I was preparing to take a shower. As I was getting the bathroom ready, I heard my sister call, Hey, Diane. So I responded with, Huh, what do you want? I turned around and nobody was there. Well, I knew she was home, so naturally I assumed it was truly her. This back and forth of us hollering at each other, on and on, Hey, Diane, what do you want? Hey, Diane, what do you want? kept going on for about three or four times. Then my mother finally yelled out and asked me what I wanted. I told her what had gone on and how my sister kept annoying me because she wouldn't tell me what she wanted. She just kept hollering my name and then nothing. And come to find out, my sister had been downstairs with my mom the entire time, not calling for me at all. 
Yeah, that's probably haunted. <laughs> and I'm thinking that uh, probably sometime uh, is is this house in Kansas somewhere or? Yeah, it's out in the country in Kansas. Yeah, okay, so most of Kansas was settled in the uh, mid to late 1800s. Mm-hmm. So we're talking like an old root cellar. This is probably around that time period. Yeah, and- 1800s. That's what she said. She said that the original home. Um, and land was owned by one person back in the 1800s. And I'm assuming the house must have been built onto, you know, yeah. maybe a single uh, level and then a, an upstairs so, potentially. And then, of course, her dad expanded, you know, some remodeling, moving some of the rooms so, outward. So probably like a, a kerosene lamp caught on fire or uh-huh. like a, mm-hmm. a old wooden, uh, you know, the – the old uh, stoves that they had, uh, you know, s- s- some rudimentary form of heat that they had back in those those days, and uh, probably that little girl burned to death. Oh. And uh, y- y- you know, a lot of people the, the, they say that uh, it's easier for the dead to communicate through dreams. Uh-huh. So she had a lot of nightmares that probably this little girl was just telling her how she died, and you know, just trying to convey that uh, she was there. So yeah. And that's why I mean, what what gives me credence to that whole thing is the fact that her parents are like, oh, you know, back when we were doing the remodeling, we tore the ceiling out, and there were some burnt rafters up there, yeah. which kind of makes a lot of sense if the house is as old as we're assuming it is. You know, I don't know that you really tore the old wood out; you probably just supported it and yeah. <laughs> you know covered it back up. Then when you modernized yeah. the house, of course, you just kind of built around that shit and just moved on, kept going. So. That's interesting. I'd like to know, you know, if, if more of the family experienced it, but it kind of sounds like her parents didn't really give it much credence, saying that she had an overactive imagination, you know. And yeah. of course, the old saying is that, you know, the ghosts or, or spirits or whatever typically reach out to people who are young and kind of open to those things, you know, before bills set in and mortgages and the stress of getting everything, you know, day to day to day. And all you have time for is just to worry about, you know, tomorrow, how am I going to pay this bill? What time do I have to get the kids up? So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that these, this energy would, you know, avoid the parents potentially and just focus in on, uh, on the girls. She and her sister apparently experienced stuff in that house. So it's kind of interesting. I'd be, I'd be interested to hear more. Uh, Diane, if you have more stories you'd like to share with us, just bring them on in. We'd be more than happy to, uh, to read those. So, okay guys. So here is something very strange as I'm sitting here doing the edit for our show. Preston's audio mysteriously cuts off at this point of the show. We don't have any explanation as to why or how or what caused it. Uh, He and I recorded about another 15 minutes of just banter and talk and ghost stories, and that's all lost. So chalk it up to technical difficulties, or as Preston said before, he almost feels like something or some force didn't want us to finish this episode. Or Skype may have just been a giant pain in the ass that night and actually crashed about three times while we were trying to record the show, so take that for what it's worth. But the the high notes here would be the last story Preston wanted to share was an event that happened that they were supposed to go investigate. In a small town right outside of Manhattan, Kansas, Preston and his brother were contacted by a man stationed at Fort Riley. And the guy tells them that he and his wife had been remodeling a house and they were expecting a new baby. 
there was going to be a baby boy. And during the remodeling of the house, they decided to paint uh, the room that was going to be the nursery blue. So they did the remodel. They started getting the, you know, baby's room ready, painted everything blue, started hanging up decorations. And they started to hang up, I, I assume, pictures of the family. And after they painted the room blue, strangely enough, they reported to Preston that the pictures began to fall off the wall all on their own. And things kind of went on like that for a little while. And then one evening, things came to a head when the woman was by herself as her husband was off at work. She was upstairs and she heard a crash and breaking glass, almost like something was slamming glass on the floor or on the wall. Anyway, she ends up locking herself in the room she's in um, by herself until her husband gets home. So they investigate downstairs where the baby's room was. And yeah, the pictures of the family had been strewn about the room. Glass was smashed. So whatever had caused these pictures to fall off the wall or maybe throw them off the wall was so violent, it actually broke the glass out of the panes. So they reached out to Preston and his brother to come out and do an investigation. And, you know, I believe it was a couple weeks or so they had called them, you know, prior to have them come out. And Preston says the day of the investigation, the husband called them. He canceled the entire investigation, didn't give them a reason why. Just basically said it was nothing and they no longer wanted to have it looked at. So we don't really know what exactly it was, if it ended up being an earthquake or just faulty nails or what. But oddly enough, they never got to actually go investigate and see what truly happened at this guy's house. So, I think that's a good place to stop. We're going to be lucky that we got this show even done with all the technical difficulties, along with Preston's book, Mysteriously Disappearing. By the way, um, I'm sitting here Tuesday night uh, doing the edit. He still has not found that damn book. <laughs> so, wherever it may be, Narnia or the fourth dimension, who knows, uh, it's gone. But we want to thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, for this special, our first of two Halloween specials this October. You'll be getting the normal episode next week with Preston, Rob, and myself. And then on Halloween night, or probably Halloween day, you'll be getting our second Halloween special. And this one, I think we're going to switch gears from ghosts and probably just tackle various other strange creatures and instances. And we've got a pretty great listener story coming your way, kind of lengthy it's going to be a pretty good one, I think. It's got a lot of different levels to this puppy. It's like a seven-layer cake, so look forward to that. And as always, guys, we want to remind you of some pretty important podcasts to us. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the pixelated, what I call community. It's a group of shows, um, all put together by Mark, our good buddy Mark. Mark has his own solo show you should check out called The Pixelated Sausage. And there, Mark, by himself, kind of just talks about various animes and TV shows, games he's played, movies he's watched, basically just a bunch of pop culture. Check that out. We owe a lot to Mark, like I said before. We wouldn't have this show if it wasn't for him and the hard work he puts in behind the scenes. The other show I want to mention from the Pixelated group would be Pixelated Radio. That show is with Mark, our friend Corey, our very own Rob from our show, and another guy named Rich, good old Rich. And they, too, 
the foursome talk about video games, movies, pop culture, TV shows, whatever. It's a pretty great show. You should definitely check that out. Also, Rich has his own show called Sports Car Unleashed, where he talks about, yeah, you guessed it, sports cars, race cars, and other things that go vroom vroom. Check that out. My favorite podcast to learn about NASCAR and fast cars. So definitely give that a listen. Check out the main event podcast. It's got a lot about wrestling and a lot about beer. And there's some good buddies of Rob's. There's some good dudes. Hopefully we can get together with them sometime and do a show as well. And last but certainly not least, our brothers in radio podcasting, the O Indeed podcast, Stephen and Brady. They review a lot of different video games and various pop culture as well, uh, with a heavy focus on video games. Those guys play games until the blisters on their thumbs develop blisters themselves. Yep. So, with all that being said, thank you so much, guys, on behalf of Preston and myself and Rob. We will catch you guys next time. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and... The Strange.